0: Hi there. It's me, Sevilla. So here's the thing. I could have just left well enough alone, but that's not in my DNA. I have a correction to make. This is episode 98. Not episode 94, as I said, not once, but twice during the intro. I want to alleviate any possible future confusion. So enjoy the episode. Episode 98. Bye. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Childless Not By Choice, where my mission is to recognize and speak to the broken hearts of childless not by choice women and men around the world. Savella Morgan here. I'm spreading the great news that we can live a joyful, relevant and fulfilled life, although we could not, did not have the children we so wanted. As we continue on here with episode 94, I'd like to thank my Patreon contributors. I have two now. Patreon contributors are those who have taken an interest in my platform, whether they fit the childless, not by choice demographic or not. They have decided to contribute a certain dollar amount on a regular basis to help fund my dream of creating awareness and conversation for the childless, not by choice community globally. So be sure to click the Patreon link for details. And that link is right there in the show notes. It's patreon.com forward slash childless not by choice. I'd like to thank Jordan Morgan, who has been a long time patron. Thank you for your patronage, Jordan Morgan. And I would like to thank new patron Ivy Calhoun for your patronage. Ivy, it's awesome to have you on board. I so appreciate your monthly gift towards the platform and it's not taken lightly at all. So thank you very much, Jordan Morgan and Ivy Calhoun. It is appreciated. Well, today for episode 94, we have a guest. That means I have an interview. It's not just me today. So I know a lot of you love the interview um, formats and very happy to have Mrs. Michelle Link on with us today. Michelle says in her bio that as the last of their six children are now grown, Michelle and her husband of 29 years have opted to continue the energy and chaos of family in their home. By adopting dogs. Training their three golden doodles, so cute and curly, <laughs> has become Michelle's passion, which ultimately culminated in the therapy dog certification of their girl, Murphy. Michelle volunteers with Murphy in several capacities as a therapy dog team, but she is also inspired to educate and encourage others. Sharing the life changing benefits she's discovered in her personal relationship with Murphy. Good morning, Michelle. It is morning. It's a Saturday
1: morning. Thank you so much for being with us. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, and I'm so excited to be here with you. I always love to talk about dogs.
0: Okay, I'm so glad that you were able to make it out this Saturday morning. And we're going to jump right into the interview here. We just have a few questions here, and I want to just basically I'm going to be educated on this as well, but educate those out there who are listening who may not know what therapy and certification of dogs is all about. And we're even going to talk about how dogs are, and pets in general, are a great support for those of us who are childless, not by choice. So the first question that I have here is, the first thing I think I asked you in our pre-interview conversation was... What type of dog is Murphy? And you said that Murphy is a golden doodle. That's right.
1: Murphy's uh, mother was a golden retriever, a red golden retriever named Rusty. And her father was a white poodle named Tony. Okay. And uh, yeah, the owners called him Tony Macaroni. And uh, when I saw a picture of him, I could see why, because he just his very curly, very, very mm-hmm. curly white poodle. But anyway, Murphy's a beautiful, as I call her, my little Irish redhead. She's just a, a beautiful apricot color with a touch of white on her chest.
0: And we're going to be posting pictures of Michelle and Murphy. So be sure to, when you check out the episode, to check out the pictures. We'll be posting some pictures of them. So the other question that I have here is, does it matter the type of dog when you're talking about training and certification?
1: It does not. I learned a lot through this process with Murphy. And, you know, really, we talk about training dogs. It's a lot about training people. We hired a dog trainer who came here to the house to show me how to Train Murphy, because I knew her obedience training would be very important since I intended her for therapy work. In one of our sessions, the trainer, he would always bring his German shepherd with him, and he did that purposely as a distraction for Murphy, so that she could uh, practice obedience even with the distraction and temptation of this beautiful, fun German shepherd about. But anyway, he mentioned that any dog can be trained to do anything. And I do believe that, and some dogs are easier to train. They might, you know, have, you know, more of a energy or a purpose to please and bond with humans as opposed to others. So it might take longer to train certain dogs than others, but, but no, it does not matter what type of dog that you have for companionship. You just want to bond with that dog through training.
0: Okay. Awesome. That's, that's great information. Another thing that I learned from you in our pre-interview conversation was that there is a difference between a prescribed emotional support dog and a certified dog. So can you Yes, tell us the-
1: there is a big difference, and I'm always happy to make this clarification. As As a matter of fact, Murphy and I have gone on speaking engagements to share information like this because it's with the popularity of companion pets and with them traveling, and uh, participating in people's lives more and more, there's a need for this clarification. So, I just wanna say, you know, we have these three golden doodles. So, there's Murphy, who is my emotional support animal, and she's also certified for therapy work. And as an emotional support animal and certified for therapy work, Murphy is not entitled to any protection. By the American Disabilities Act. That is reserved strictly for service dogs. So, you know, the baseline animal that you would have is a pet. You could just, it's a pet or a companion. There's no uh, certification there other than whatever your county, you know, legislation is about that. And through a licensed mental health counselor, Mm -hmm. you can be prescribed an emotional support animal. So not a medical doctor, but a licensed mental health counselor or a psychologist or psychiatrist. And so that emotional support animal fills the gap for, you know, emotional disorders like depression, anxiety. And Murphy was certified for that for me, and I can talk more about that. Now, as a therapy dog, Murphy went through basic obedience training and was required to achieve a canine good citizen award or accomplishment Uh, and a canine good citizen is a test of a series of obedience such as healing on a leash, stay, come, leave it, that type of thing so that the dog is prepared to be in any kind of a public setting with excellent obedience and then from there after getting her canine good citizen there's several entities that you could get certified through, but we chose Therapy Dogs International, and they are the largest therapy team organization. And there we had to be prepared to have Murphy be around wheelchairs, walkers. She had to be able to walk away from, you know, tempting dog treats that were laying on the floor so that if she's in a facility, and you know, you can imagine mm-hmm. if there's medication that's dropped on the floor or something like that. She needs to be protected from that, or mm-hmm. you know, the lunch tray cart goes by, or you know, dropping of equipment. You know, if she's startled, she cannot react to that. So anyway, so for her therapy dog certification, mm-hmm. that is what she had to go to, and with mm-hmm. that therapy dog certification, that entitles Murphy and I to go into facilities such as nursing homes. Hospitals, schools, assisted living facilities, and her sole purpose is just to provide that companionship for the residents and patients in those facilities. So, again, this doesn't mean that I could take Murphy with me to the grocery store or to a restaurant or to the movies. That is not what she is certified to do. So, that's a therapy dog. And then that leaves us with a service dog or service animal. And that dog performs a specific oh service to supplement a person's disability. So, for example, the most obvious and well-known service dog would be a seeing-eye dog. You know, we often see a, a lot of those are German Shepherds, so we often see a blind person accompanied oh. by a seeing-eye dog. This could be a person who has mobility issues where a dog will open the door, will just assist in various ways, retrieve paperwork from a high counter in a uh, medical office or as the person's traveling it can also be a dog who is trained to detect insulin levels in a diabetic or certain diagnostic levels for people who are prone to epileptic seizures so that the dog can alert their human that this is coming and that they should take medication to prevent it so those type of service animals are protected by the Americans with Disabilities Act, meaning they can accompany them anywhere they go, the grocery store, a hotel, a restaurant, on an airplane, et cetera. So I hope that kind of helps, gives clarification.
0: And it definitely does. I believe in the the beginning of your explanation, you touched on a portion of the next part of the question, which is the companion pet, which is I think I had in here, and then what is the difference between a companion pet and, and an emotional support animal and a service dog? So you basically did break all of that down, so that's appreciated. And that helps people with, well, you know, if they're paying attention, differentiating between the type of dog, and, and I know in some cases you, they don't like those particular dogs to be petted, for instance. They don't want you to pet the animal because the animal is working.
1: Correct. And that would be the service dog who's providing that service. And I will say for Murphy, when I have her out and about with right. with me at locations, generally, most people are pretty well educated about that and ask if they can pet her. And then I explain, of course, that she is a therapy dog. And while she's working as a therapy dog, that is her mm-hmm. job to behave compliantly and, you know, be affectionate and, and ready mm-hmm. for ready for petting and companionship. Okay, awesome.
0: That's great information. And as we move on here, I I wonder too, and I think we talked about this a little bit in our pre-interview conversation, other than your own experiences with pets, just so, and, and if you have any links to anything, I'll put them in the show notes. Are you aware of any studies that support the benefits of a relationship with a pet?
1: Yeah, there are many studies about this. And just as an example, the American Journal of Critical Care conducted a study of 12-minute visits with therapy dogs with uh, patients that were hospitalized with heart failure, and it proved that the visit improved cardiopulmonary pressures, mm-hmm. neurohormone levels, and anxiety in those patients that were hospitalized. So, and there's many studies about the affection and companionship of a dog improving these healing factors in a a person's physiology. Also, Massachusetts General Hospital Research Study gathered women that had at least one child age two and ten who also had a pet dog in the house for at least two years. And there were two sessions So the first in-home session included having a questionnaire that was related to the relationship between both the child and their dog, and they photographed the child and the dog in these women's homes. And then they had a a special type Mm -hmm. of MRI, uh, called an fMRI, that showed that while looking at pictures of both their children and dogs separately both times the same levels of oxytocin were released in their brain and this is oxytocin is involved in pair bonding and the maternal attachment. So I just want to, that was reinforcing what I've already come to know is that the bonding ability between a human and a dog is a real thing. And I feel that sometimes I, I see, especially online, people try to dispute that or put that down and say, you know, stop saying that, you know, your dog is your child or stop referring to yourself as a, a fur mom or a fur baby mom. And I just think that those folks mm-hmm. are misguided and have no platform to speak from on that. And everyone's journey is different. And so I don't wanna imply that everyone loves dogs or would benefit from a relationship. Not everyone's an animal person. But for those that are you know, struggling in any way, emotionally, I feel it's a great thing to consider the companionship of a pet. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be prescribed by a licensed mental health counselor just to bring a companion animal into your home. You just need the prescription for the emotional support animal if you want that dog to travel with you or uh, accompany you to a a hotel room or something while you're you're traveling.
0: Well, you kind of touched on one of my next questions because I have a couple more questions here. And one of them is, and, and so you have a chance to elaborate on what you were just saying, if you'd like does speak to us about the fact that there is value in having quote unquote fur babies and that doing so does not diminish or minimize those with pets who happen not to have children.
1: Exactly. Yeah, we've always had pets. And as, as you read in my bio, we have six total children. So we have a large chaotic family. Three of those are my stepchildren. And then three of those are the boys that my husband and I have had through the years. And of course, they're all Grown now, and we're just about ready to uh, have an empty nest. So, while I don't identify personally with being childless, not by choice, and having had a large family, I can identify with other types of heartache in life. And uh, I've always been a person, you know, as an adult who's been diagnosed with clinical depression. And I've been fortunate that through medication and mental health counseling and personal lifestyle choices, I've been able to manage that and keep that at bay. And in 2016, our family just went through a series of, you know, extraordinary hardships that included, you know, a near business bankruptcy, um, some deaths in the family, including a a suicide of our, our grandson. So... Those events changed me, and I was always very active and busy um, in the care of my parents. I would often fly to Pennsylvania to Mm. see my parents. Uh, One is in an Alzheimer's community, and my, my dad is there as well in an independent living facility, but I just became overwhelmed with anxiety, sometimes triggered, sometimes not, and at this time, I was using, I had Murphy trained for therapy work. And my husband, I just talked about, he said, you know, if you could take Murphy with you when you travel alone, you know, I wonder if that would help. So we actually spoke with a licensed mental health counselor who interviewed me, you know, very, in a very detailed manner. And she determined that, yes, I would benefit from an emotional support animal in Murphy coming along with me to accompany me. And I will say it does alleviate anxiety. So while again i don't identify with being childless not by choice i do have other pains and challenges in life that murphy and and the relationship with all my dogs has been able to temper and comfort and i would like to encourage those you know struggling with the challenge of childless not by choice to consider a companion animal in your life to build relationship and you know have that additional sense of purpose in your life there's many purposes in your life but a, a pet does give you that relationship and set of sense of purpose
0: I, I totally agree And i've said you know in, on several episodes i say it all the time that you know being child is not by yeah. choice is is traumatic it can be traumatic and depending on where in the world we live It can be worse than traumatic because we just have to deal with uh, society, society's expectations. And when we're Mm. not able to have those children, what society does to us, treating us like second class citizens, doing and saying passive aggressive things to make us feel worse than we already do, et cetera, or trying to make us feel worse than we already do. But I always say that, you know, almost everyone on this planet is going to suffer something and almost everyone is suffering some type of trauma. It just so happens that the one we deal with on this platform is being childless, not by choice. But there are other types of trauma out there. And I just appreciate the way you so eloquently explained your trauma and how you dealt with it and how important pets and fur babies are, regardless of the trauma. So I appreciate you just being able to to talk to us from that level. I'm sure the, the listeners appreciate that as well.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to share. I will say maybe not so much related to the therapy dog aspect, but you know, as you and I have discussed before, you know, you and I came to know each other. So just out of interest and support of this person that I'm endeared to, Sevilla, I'm interested in this podcast, even though the title does not personally apply to me. But I really have encouraged several people you know, if they, even if they don't tune in all the time to at least tune into some episodes and be aware of the concept, because, you know, if you're not aware of the issue of childless, not by choice, if you don't have a sensitivity to that, you know, we make an innocent statement, like uh, my boys are all at the ages where kids are, you know, dating or getting married. And, you know, I hear people making comments and I could have easily made this comment a few years ago to say, oh, now you're married. Now it's time for the babies. You know, and you're kind of saying that in a joking, teasing way. And I just will say, I just have a little check in my soul about that. And I just think, well, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, you know, if that's what they want and hopefully that's what their journey allows, but it's not something they need to hear Right. And it's not something we might not even be aware of what their health circumstances are or, you know, as far as that. So it's a very personal thing. And uh, anyway, I appreciate the awareness to be sensitive that everyone's journey is different and we don't need to contribute to the pain of that, you know, unintentionally, you know, and certainly not intentionally.
0: Right. And so that's where the awareness creation comes in. And yes, we have talked before about the fact that you do listen. And I so appreciate it because when I mention that there are women out there who are married and have children and grandchildren yes. who listen to the show, you're one of the people I'm talking about because you've told me on several occasions that you listen. So I do appreciate your listening and for helping me get the word out and for, you know, just letting me know how the podcast has helped you with how you process commentary. (laughs) I have one more question and I think, I think you kind of touched on it, but if again, you want to elaborate, that's fine. But my last question was, when did you personally realize the healing value of a relationship with dogs? And I guess you kind of touched on it, but if you wanted to add anything.
1: Yeah, I think that when my mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and it became time to put her in an assisted living facility when my father and I walked into that secured area, we were greeted by this little black and white dog named Franklin. And I just immediately thought that was the neatest thing. And I've always been an animal lover, but this is a resident dog, Franklin, who stays there and, you know, goes room to room and just has free run of this secured memory care unit. And I was thinking at the was without a time in my life too, where, Again, the empty nest syndrome was impending and we were talking about getting a dog of our own as opposed to, you know, something that the, the kids were asking for. And it was just that day that I thought, I am going to train our next dog to do therapy work so I can do this. So that was my initial awareness of a therapy dog and the possibility and then you know, following as I was doing this process of Murphy bringing joy and comfort and companionship to uh, patients and residents at facilities, going through our own traumas was when I became aware of the concept of an emotional support animal and, you know, did some research on that. So I've, you know, that's when I benefited personally Having Murphy as played that role in my life. So she's unique in having a dual role of being a certified therapy dog, but also a prescribed emotional support animal for me. There is one other thing I'd like to sort of elaborate on if your child is not by choice and listening and this has you know inspired you to you know maybe open your home and adopt an animal, a dog or a cat, I do want to encourage it doesn't happen magically you know uh, we often see this in the movies where a family adopts a dog or a dog wanders in off the streets and you know i always say there's always the uh, obligatory bathtub scene where the dog jumps out of the tub and has you know bubbles all over the place and you know it's a big laugh fest but it requires training to build that relationship with your pet A dog is happiest if they have a job. They're different than a child. A child is of their own free will, of their own free mind. But a dog or a cat expects you to do the thinking for them. They are there to please you. So if you don't give them direction, they're going to get into mischief. And it's hard to feel companionship and affection for a dog who is you know, chronically misbehaving. So that relationship does not automatically happen. It, it needs to be built with mm-hmm. time and commitment and consistency and training. And to that end, there's, oh, go ahead.
0: No, I'm sorry. I was just, as you were saying that, I was just thinking, and I don't know if we talked about this, but we kind of probably did as we, we talked about which dogs are best for therapy and certification, et cetera. But it just occurred to me, as you said, that it you know, the training is not going to happen magically and the dog is not going to obey magically, that, you know, there are some dog breeds that get a bad rap. And I'm not saying that they are necessarily right for therapy and oh, the pit bulls. but I think yeah. overall, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think overall, any dog breed, and I'm thinking about like maybe a Mastiff or a, um, what's the name of that correct. other dog that gets such a bad rap, pit bulls. You know, it all comes down to training because the, the pit bulls get a bad rap because they're trained incorrectly and a lot of times on purpose incorrectly, where if they were correctly trained, they would be fine. So it just I just thought about that as you were saying that.
1: <laughs> right. And, no, it's true. And the irony about pit bulls is that by nature, they're very human oriented. They're very people and affection oriented, even though they're you know, 80, 100 pounds and all muscle, they are a gentle dog. Those dogs have been trained because of the way they're structured. You know, they have strength in their jaw and they're very muscular. So people who abuse them, you know, train them for the things that they've become stereotyped for. But the, the breed Pitbull in itself is actually a very otherwise a gentle, trainable breed. And I will share this with you. I love dogs in general. And so right now I'm babysitting two dogs i've got a couple extra dogs in addition to the three golden doodles if you can believe it and you talk about training because listen to how quiet my house is right now i have laid down the law that everybody needs to be quiet while we're on this podcast i so anyway i have a a schnauzer here but i also just got dropped off a 60 pound six month old (laughs) english bulldog
0: 60 pounds in six months (laughs)
1: Yes. And he is a brick. He's not all that big. He would, you know, just a little bigger than your lap, but he's so solid. So, uh, you know, let me tell you, this dog put me on my knee in the driveway the other day from tugging the leash, pulled me right over. And well, he needs training. So guess what? He doesn't, here at my house, he does not get to eat before he sits and waits. So it took us 30 minutes last night Because he just thinks there's food on the floor that's his to walk over but i just it took 30 minutes to get him to sit and wait for a command but when we're talking about different breeds and i say any of them can be trained this is necessary and it's much better to train this dog while he's six months and 60 pounds than it would be to wait till he's over 100 pounds and you can start to train them at any age like Murphy for example mm-hmm. we had her in obedience training at 8 yeah. weeks old so as a you know a 10 week old puppy she could you know sit and and lay down and the SPCA has a training program called there are no free rides or there's no free lunches and that just basically means nothing happens for my dogs without them having to perform for that so if we're going to go out the front door to go outside they have to sit before I open the door. And when it's time to come back in the house and to go back oh. inside, they have to sit before I'll open the door to let them in. You know, it's meal time. you know, I'll either give them a sit command or a down command. Before I pet them, I say sit, you know, so that they can't just mm. come over and demand to be petted. And that might sound strict, but it really, it's almost subconscious now. It's, it's just the language we speak, but it's built our relationship because they want to please me. They want to do well. They, they are comfortable having that job to do, which is what I tell them to do. And then they are mm-hmm. rewarded with, you know, whatever the task is at hand, whether that's, you know, putting on their leash, they have to sit and wait for that. Or if they want their leash taken off, they have to sit and wait for that. And I just say this again to reinforce that if you're considering getting a pet and you don't already have one, you don't want to do that on impulse. You want to understand the great responsibility it is. And then you need to know that the relationship will be all the better the more time you spend on training that dog and, and holding them accountable to obedient behavior. And now you just made me think of something
0: else. <laughs> Kind but firm boundaries, because you're creating boundaries with these animals that are, you know, they as you said, they may sound strict, but boundaries help for a better relationship, whether it's between a dog and its animal or between human beings. So that's a great... (laughs)
1: Exactly. And I will say, um, too, so we had a friend come in the back door this morning. And, you know, this is a challenge at our house. If anybody new comes in, everyone's barking. It's very embarrassing. And it lasts about a minute. We're trying to work through that. It's a really tough behavior to break, but they do settle down. And but anyway, I just want them well trained because we do have relationship with humans. You know, you want to bring, if you're bringing an animal into your household, you don't want to create a boundary between yourself and your other relationships and family members and, and friendships. You know, that's another reason why you want a, a well-trained dog. And yes, there are boundaries. Now, our dogs are allowed right. to be on the furniture. You know, they sleep with us, but they also can sleep in their crate. You know, if I want them to or need them to, they just they just do as I ask them to do. They don't go beyond those boundaries. So that is important. And you can see too, as I'm talking about, you know, raising these dogs and training them and caring for them, Mm -hmm. how someone childless, not by choice, could benefit from that companionship. And you can see where it's easy to develop a concept Mm of, you know, being A dog mom or a dog dad or you know considering them for babies because we spend you know so much time with them and build relationship with them and you know we communicate with them if i'm not feeling well or if i'm challenged or struggling i'm telling you murphy's right there in my lap she senses my emotions there's yes there's real relationship there we've had a friend whose wife passed recently and he was here for dinner on Tuesday night and Murphy was right there in the love seat with him, you know, just mm-hmm. providing comfort and companionship. The you know, stress. there were several of us mm-hmm. in the room, but she sensed wow. that, you know, he would be having some difficulty now and she was such a beautiful source of comfort to him. So again, I could I could reiterate that over and over, but if anyone wants to minimize the relationship or say, oh, it's not the same as having children. They just don't have a ground to stand on. On that, I, I don't know if they're trying to make themselves a better parent or superior or what, but there's just no foundation for, for that type of attitude.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome word. And I appreciate you saying that and I appreciate you being on today. And uh, just as we close out here, I just wonder if you have any closing, you speaking to the world. So and you have been speaking to the world. (laughs) So anything that you'd like to reiterate? (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) Anything you'd like to, you know, any final words or anything you'd like to reiterate before we close out today's episode?
1: I think that I would just, you know, summarize it all by saying that if you're having any challenge in your life, whether that's the struggle of being childless not by choice, or, you know, any other emotional or chronic challenges in your life, do consider adopting a pet for that companionship. And when you do so, make sure that you take the proper steps and educate yourself that the dog is well-trained so that you can enjoy the dog and the world can enjoy that dog or pet with you.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. Michelle, thank you so very much for your time today. I got so much information and encouragement out of this. And I know that each listener will as well. And I just want to let you guys know that if you want to contact or follow Michelle Link, you can just go to TherapyTeamMurphy at Mail.com. TherapyTeamMurphy at Mail.com or Instagram at TherapyTeamMurphy. And those are the two ways to contact or to follow the team. as, um, And you'll see uh, lots of great, wonderful pictures. And remember, there'll be pictures in the show notes and also as I'm posting and reposting all over social media and on the website, we will have pictures posted all over the place. So thanks again, Michelle. And if you guys have any questions for me, remember, just email me, Sevilla at SevillaMorgan.com or message me on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. Give me 24 to 48 hours to respond. And once again, thanks for listening. Have a great one. Bye.